0: really gonna think me and gambler hate each other but we don't man we just disagree on opinions and that's fine that's what the podcast is here for um we wanted to talk today about a couple of things that we had people reach out to us and um tell us that topics that they wanted us to cover but we just got so wrapped up into this video that um somebody sent in that We did, like, three hours on, like, one video, basically. Well, two hours on one video. But that's pretty much what we talk about. In the beginning, we talk about family. So this one is family and millennials, I guess. Family and millennials. Um, If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can do so by donating to Money Sign, A Space Podcast. You can catch us on social media channels at A Space Podcast on instagram and twitter also um we are on podcast services around the globe pretty much um the podcast is far reaching now there's too many podcast services for me to list now so um go check it out on any podcast app wherever you get your podcast and if it's not there shoot us an email at a space podcast at gmail.com and yo, we'll be right in there as soon as you shoot us that email. We check in. You have any questions, any comments, anything you'd like us to cover, you could do that. Also, I'd like to announce that we have a new logo. That's that's something cool. We also have been getting our uh, analytics up. We see that you guys are actually listening to the podcast. It's pretty dope. We probably have about 30 or so active listeners between all of the uh between all of the services that we're on which is pretty crazy considering this has probably only been a podcast that's being pretty consistent for about a month or two now so we really appreciate all 30 of you man I, I don't know who y'all are but if you've been listening to the podcast shoot us an email and we'll shout you out um on these next couple ones um we really love you guys uh i hope you enjoy this one and, um, yeah, here we go. So, what I actually did was, I created a uh, oh, oh, oh. yeah. mic troubles. Mike I, trouble. created a, um, I created a Facebook group, and I invited a bunch of people to join the mm-hmm. Facebook group. And I put out a public um, Mm -hmm. call for people that to give topics that they would like to discuss. Mm -hmm. So that video, among others, was uh, was that video was one topic among Mm. several to be asked. Um, Covered. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So let's pull up this video. While we talk about our days, oh man, <laughs> or our weeks, man, because we haven't alcohol. We haven't been uh, we haven't been recording here within the past two weeks, just because yeah, of week and a half. Week and a half, just because of uh, life, life, uh, Yo, you know, holidays. Thanksgiving was coming up. We were both with our respective families, blood families, chosen families. Oh, Uh, can we sidebar about this bullshit real quick cause I need to drop some shit having having all types of fun so we hope everybody that listened we hope at Thanksgiving you stuffed yourselves in remembrance of all the Indians slain (laughs) during the procurement of this great country (laughs) that was built on the blood sweat and tears of indigenous and exported people okay clever (laughs) Good use of that uh, motif in there. <laughs> right. So I actually so, uh, follow I actually follow a page uh, on um, YouTube where a couple talks about, you know, just their day and stuff like that. And I actually asked them to um, talk about this in one of their next videos. How do they feel about celebrating Thanksgiving? Because honestly, when like if you think them? about it, if you're sitting at the table... Eating your turkey and your cranberry sauce mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and your mac and cheese and your decadent, your decadent loaded mashed potatoes and you think about how the colonizers <laughs> and the indigenous people of in America sat at one table one day to eat the exact same meal and then the next day killed each other. <clears throat> <laughs> so, <laughs> I actually want to put out this question to everybody listening to the podcast. Lord, how do you feel celebrating Thanksgiving? Yeah, do let you, us know about Thanksgiving in the comments do section. Do you, and you and agree? Emails. Do you agree with the holiday of Thanksgiving, and do you celebrate it with your family? And do you think that you should celebrate it with your family?
1: Let us know. Hit us up on the uh, socials, on the emails. If it's hilarious, we'll actually read it out for you. Yeah. Um, if it makes me laugh, then that's a, good, that, that's a pretty good sign of good, dark, sarcastic, dry humor. If it makes me laugh, i oh, will yeah. read it out for you. <laughs> I'm just twisted. That's all I can tell people.
0: Oh, man. Um. Don't be twisted. But no, so insane. I
1: wanted to drop some shit about family before we get into the nitty gritty of this stuff. Yeah, because this is the time of year. Pardon me. Got the the birds from this wonderful cider. We get in, before we get into the nitty gritty. I want to drop some knowledge about family that I think people have a misconception on. And feel free to lay down your own thoughts, Numa. No but for me family is a choice and a lot of things in this world will tell you that it's not love relationships relationships dictated by paper and ink rubber stamped by government wherever you live will tell you that you're related to this person because they say they are and they were in this world before you and therefore that they know you're related to them whereas i believe family is shown chosen decided on and proven by the actions we take towards the people we deem we care about and so and this is a thing i have a, this is a pet peeve for me especially when it comes to talking about family cuz when i take my family out or when i'm out with my family and i have to introduce somebody as My brother, my sister, my aunt, my uncle, and they go, oh, really? That's your uncle? Really? As if to somehow automatically know or question the fact that my statement is somehow false when I tell you my relationship with the individual. Now, granted, if it's Halloween or April Fool's, I could be fucking with you. (laughs) I could be fuck with you. It is in my grain sometimes. I'm just gonna fuck with you for fun. But if you don't know me like that, if you're the average person at the mall, at the auto shop, at the gas station, at a bar, and I go, this is my family. Whatever the relationship is. And you sit there and you go, "Are are you really? And I go, yeah. And then my family member walks away, and you you come back to me. It's like, so that's your uncle? That's your brother? All I want to do is reach across the fucking bar and drag your ass out of there by your fucking throat.
0: Well, why? What do you, what do you feel about? I that? take so incredible
1: offense that you would assume to know my life better than I know my life. I come to wherever the fuck I'm at, and say, this is my family. I've known you, I'm a regular at your establishment, presumably. I do go out and I drink a lot. I'm a regular at your establishment, or I'm in your establishment for the first time. I say, this is my family member. Make sure you take care of them. No matter what. And then you sit there and you question me. And this is not something that is a a thing for strangers either. This is something that I've come across within family boundaries. Because as I said, I believe family is a choice. Other people within my family that I choose as my family do not believe family is a choice. Certain people in my family say it's about blood family. Or certain people in my family say that there's a difference between blood family and family from another family. Or family from another mother, another father, whatever. To me, it stops at the word family. I don't care... If I don't know you from Tom, Dick, or Harry, or where you come from. If I say you're my family, I mean that. I don't throw that around lightly. When I say you're my family, I mean I would take a bullet for you. Or anybody else that you love. Because that person that you love, even if I don't know them, means enough to you for you to say that you love them. That's good enough for me. That's what family is to me. It's a commitment. It's an action. It's a set of choices I continuously make every day when I wake up. And I go, that person is worth the salt of the earth. They're Mm -hmm. worth everything that I have in my life. And I would give it away if it meant saving theirs. That's family. It's not a rubber stamp ink statement on a piece of paper. It's not the blood that moves in your veins. I've met people. I've known people. It doesn't matter if they're blood related for seven generations. They don't care. Right. I've met yeah. mothers that have disowned their children. I've met fathers that care so little for their children that they abuse them and they accost them. So when you tell me that it's all about blood or when you say that families, blood families, different than family. Yeah. That's bullshit to me. That's a caveat and excuse I refuse to accept. And so it bugs me when I tell people, especially this time of year, grit's in my teeth, and like my molars, like when you grind your teeth and you can feel like little grains of sand. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel like. I wake up in the morning and my jaw hurts because I've been grinding my teeth because my subconscious is chewing on it, and I'm like, I fucking hate that shit. Yeah. My family's my family. My words are my own. I don't throw that around lightly. And if I tell you that's what it is, that's what it is. You don't get to tell me that you can prove me wrong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's my judgment.
0: Live with it or move on. I get you. I, I feel like a lot of people got to get over their tribalism, their uh, clan mindset, my house, this is this is my clan, this is my house, this is my crest, I got to protect it, I got to, uh, I have to um, just be in my own house, in my own square. Now, this is not to minimalize the fact that if you are a provider in your family that you should not provide for your family unit that's totally different your family unit and protect them from outsiders if you want to use that quoted term um but this is to say that like uh we will probably have to be more accepting of growing deeper connections with people outside outside of our clan or our house, however you want to call it. However people group themselves or whatever academia wants to put a word on it. I would call it your day-to-day day household. <laughs> there you go, your household. Your day-to-day household. You got to get outside of your household and try to make meaningful, deep connections with other people, and then you can probably consider those other people family because that'll probably be one of the things that drive us to becoming a more caring world. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. um, And I'm just—I'm be real with you. One thing you mentioned is that a lot of people don't want to hear that certain people you deem family is your family because, oh, really? They're your family? They don't even look the same color as you. Mm. Oh. Oh. I didn't want to
1: go there because right. I was going to get me started on a rant. that no. will not— Oh. It would not allow us time to get
0: to the request. Oh, that's this week. that's your family. Woo. They don't have the same beliefs as you. Ah, busting cap in your fucking face. If, oh, let me let me shit. put this PSA out right now. Mm. If you are listening to this podcast because you want to be affirmed on your beliefs, or you want your bias to be to be uh, confirmed. confirmed or endorsed, supplied, supplied, supported. This is not the podcast for you. <laughs> Move if off. you think we're engaged in groupthink or
1: mob mentality,
0: we're engaged in mob mentality or any type of endorsement by any wing of government or political organizations, this is not the podcast for you. Bye bye. I would like to like kind of say that this podcast is probably like a series of thought experiments, right? Where we just non biasly approach different subjects. Right. I mean, that's pretty much how I'm going to go about it. But I mean, going back to our thing on family is that, yeah, I mean, like it, it it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you, learn would, how to, Nimbus, you and I have mm-hmm. been
1: what I would consider for mm-hmm. me, by my measure of the world, you and I have been mm-hmm. brothers, a decade now no. and that is not something easily earned for me um, <laughs> as my wife would tell you um, and so when I say that you're my brother it means if my father has an issue with you I will take issue with my father if you're my wife and Somebody else in my family has an issue with you, and they bring it to me. It's a matter of weighing the right and the wrong in it, in the family dichotomy, and going, which side is actually objectively fair and correct? Who who gave the first, like, who accidentally or purposely said the, the thing that caused The pain or did the thing that caused the the discomfort. And then from there, rather than passing judgment as if I'm God, I move forward and go, okay, look, here's what happened. Here's how it looks. And based on how it looks, this is the way we move forward. And at that point, it's up to the two parties aside from myself In my family to figure it out, I'm not gonna pick sides. It's very rare. Like, there's seldom times I would ever pick a side in my family. That being said, obviously, (laughs) my wife is my wife. Right. There are very few things that are gonna bring me down on opposite sides of the fence from my wife. Very few. But of those few, they're very strong lines. Yeah with all that stated, when when you choose to set out in, in this world that dictates family more or less based on blood relationship and ink and stamp, mm-hmm. it's very hard to deal with and explain and justify to people, especially if you're related to them by blood, why somebody who's not related to you by blood, is considered as important as they are. Is considered as much family as they are. Somebody you've known less, in terms of cumulative time, you've known fewer years and days and hours than you have your own blood family. Why is the new person considered such a close relationship? To be on par with somebody that you've known since the day you were born, or... A few years after. Right. Okay. That's a very complicated thing to explain for most people. For those out there who have to deal with that, who are of the same mind as myself and you, I would say if somebody questions, particularly if somebody in your blood family, in your family that's directly related to you by blood rather than by choice, I should say by blood instead of entirely by choice entirely being the key word there the thing to explain to them is that time is a relative construct and that's not to get into the science of it that's just simply to say the time you spent with this other person is more meaningful and impactful to the extent that you would consider them part of the family mm-hmm. it's not to consider them in a higher strata or position in the family because family's family. My brother's opinion matters as much to me as my father's. And that's how it goes for everybody in the family, except my wife. Her opinion matters like 0.1% more than everybody else's. Mm -hmm. Because she knows me in a way that nobody else does. And that's the caveat. That's how relationships like that work. Everybody else stands on equal footing. And so when somebody in your blood-related family comes to you, and says, why does this person who you've only known six years or seven years or five years or two years or two months measure to the extent that your blood family does? Why are you inviting them to Thanksgiving or Christmas or your birthday or your wedding? Why are they your best man? You look at them and you tell your, your family that's questioning you. You go, I would not question your relationship with me. Why do you question my relationship with that person? You ask them that question, and nine times out of ten, they can't give you an answer. And if they do answer you, it's usually with another question that's founded on sand, soft ground. They go, well, it doesn't make sense. So you go, why? Why doesn't it make sense? Why does it not make sense to you? Is it because you're not me? And you don't know them the way I do? Because... Yeah, that makes total sense. You don't know them the way I do. Therefore, you don't get to decide if they are or are not family-worthy. That's my decision as the person that names them family. That's 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 how it goes from the get-go. That's why it's called a choice. <clears throat> and then you and your family get to move forward with that. And if the person you've labeled family... Proves to you that they are not family. That's a bridge you have
0: to cross when you get there. Right. We do the same thing with family sometimes. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Blood family. Yeah, we do the same thing. thing. Family is family.
1: People go years, lifetimes, without talking to each other. Despite being related by blood. Right. So don't sit there and let people pretend... That the measure of the way you came into this world is the measure of the way you will go out. Because it's not true. Now, I've seen people from sun up to sundown abandon and pick up people that they have no relationship to and every relationship to.
0: Right.
1: All moral and ethical responsibility absolved. And all moral and ethical responsibility picked up by somebody who shouldn't have. I've seen it over and over and over again. Anyways, that is my message for this holiday. This seasonal greeting, if you will.
0: Yes. For those
1: out there listening,
0: if you feel. Yes, Sensei.
1: (laughs) If you feel somebody out there in your life is worthy of being entitled to your family, show them, tell them, stand up with them. Reach out to them and pull them into the circle. Say, you can come to my Christmas. You can come to my Hanukkah, my Kwanzaa, my Thanksgiving, whatever holiday. You can come and be in my family circle at this most valuable and important time that we spend all year planning. Right. I will make acceptance for you. And if somebody in that circle has an issue with it, I will stand with you. Make that judgment call for yourself. But if you make it, make sure you honor it. Right. Don't sit around here and run around telling people somebody's worth some shit that they ain't worth.
0: Exactly. Build deep
1: relationships. Yeah. I'm not telling you to invite your girlfriend you met two days ago to your fucking Christmas. Okay? Yeah. No. do <laughs> I'm saying, maybe the best man that you ain't talked to in four years at your wedding deserves a Christmas invite. There you go. Maybe. Unless they're dead. In which case, drop a six-pack
0: on the grave. I mean, I'm not dead, but you can drop a six-pack on my front doorstep. That's okay.
1: okay. Well, we're going to be together at
0: Christmas.
1: (laughs) Unfortunately, my wife is not able to get the the day after Christmas off, so we're not going to be able to travel. Oh, okay. And I love my family upstate, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to get off work and drive up the 22nd and then have to drive back down 85 or US 1 on the day of Christmas.
0: Catch this. I work a half a day. On Christmas Eve. <laughs> That's bullshit.
1: I know I know people that are working Christmas Day.
0: Wow. Bro. Yeah, and they Too are much.
1: they are Too well, they're much. the most selfless people I know. They're working Too at hospitals. Much. Oh, they're okay. taking the hospital oh, okay. Show. Yeah, okay. They're I taking the they're know. the first responders, okay. the emergency crew. And they're I mean, they're working overtime on the crew on the most
0: important cataclysmic day of the year. They are there because nobody knows how to hang their Christmas lights.
1: And that's how they get
0: electrocuted. Nobody knows how to fry their turkeys. <laughs> wait, wait. Nobody knows how to fry their turkeys. Oh my God. Nobody the videos knows. This year, people nobody up knows how to cr- nobody Best. knows Best. how to control their drunk family. True. And nobody knows how to take an Uber or Lyft. That's true. Well, those kind of are all the order people a that Uber
1: or Lyft Those when your thumb can't even unlock your phone.
0: Those are all the people. That are the reason for why people are working at the hospital this Christmas. It's if true. I'm missing any uh, at, a Podcast, a <laughs> at A Space
1: Podcast is a good
0: one. At A Space Podcast on if Instagram and Twitter. Any
1: topic of general stupidity, hit us up at a space Podcast on all social media platforms and our email at aspacepodcast at gmail.com.
0: And you can join or request to join the group A Space World on Facebook. That's the new group. We're talking about topics. That's where most of the questions for today came from. Mm, Facebook. Facebook, man. We're getting a lot of interactions on Facebook. I'm so sorry. Shout out to Zuckerberg. Shout out to Zucky. Shout out to Zucky. (laughs) Zucky McDucky (laughs) getting those duckies. (laughs) Zucky said bye. Sorry, guys. I'm a little three sheets to the wind. Oh my goodness, what does that even mean? He's hanging laundry. That means I'm halfway from fucked up Sunday. He's hanging laundry. Why is he hanging laundry? He said he's three sheets from the wind. He's hanging Nimbus. laundry. What is he doing? Allow me to educate you. Please, because you are so Southern. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm Southern. What's
0: Three sheets from the wind. You grew up laundry? here too. <laughs> what does three sheets from the wind mean? Three sheets to the wind. Three sheets to the wind.
1: So, from what I understand, three sheets to the wind is actually a sailing reference uh-huh. to uh, a general sailboat oh. has three different sails.
0: Three. three sheets to the wind. Three
1: sheets to the wind, laddie. <laughs> unfurl the <mind> boss. <laughs> Anyways, it's a it's a sh- it's a ship reference to how many uh, sails you're set to unfurl in order to catch X amount of wind. Mm-hmm. So, if the wind is favorable. It's behind you. It's blowing towards the front of your ship. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into the whole shipling up. If it's blowing towards the front of your ship from behind you, you want all of your sails unfurled. And you have generally on a gen- on a general sailboat, you have th- three main sheets: one mm-hmm. for turning left, one for turning right, and your main mast sheet that drops straight down and catches the brunt of the wind blowing behind you in order to give you the maximum speed forward. So when you say I'm three sheets to the wind, that's a colloquial term for saying I'm r- I'm going really quick. I'm fucked up. I'm so fucked up. I'm just hauling ass, bare hands, butt ass naked, running down the road. I'm three sheets to the wind. I'm no... There's nothing in the reserves. There's nothing held back. I'm bare naked and ass open.
0: A.k.a. for all you nerds, <laughs> that means that that is another term for the... Phrase full sending. Full Man. sending, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's actually my favorite gaming term. I'm like, full sending. Oh, that's full name. sending. I've never yeah. used that in the game. You've never used that in the game, no bro. Full send. I'm going full send. It's just you know what I have used.
1: That, in the game? What, what does that mean? The one thing that always so I, I've you and I have been growing up with games for a lifetime and.
0: There's a whole gaming whole, lingo, bro. Okay. There is. we're gonna we talk gaming. about there's So, like, we have like, so much to talk about. On this there's the urban dictionary. There's the
1: slang dictionary. There's like, gangbanger dictionary. There's a gamer dictionary out there for gamer slang that has evolved and added on over the years. And some things have multiple meanings, and one thing has a lot of different ways of saying it. Whatever, ma. Favorite one that has stopped every every time I use this. I swear to God, hand on my grandmother's grave. Every time I use this freaking phrase, it stops. All arguments, all toxicity, all screaming and yelling over the mics. Pardon me. All screaming and yelling over the mics. All keyboard warriors flaming their keyboards in all caps that's toxic No, it's so toxic but the the phrase I no, have I'll talk about that's the phrase No, <laughs> I wish I wish it was that cause that'd be speaking truth to power but mm. no what it is is you just like you type or you scream out in the chat
0: fordania
1: sorry headphone warning super late
0: that was super late. Re- it's okay. They'll appreciate it. Oh, my goodness. So you a scream listen to podcast. Out. Rewind it one minute, and this will be your warning. Uh. Uh. <laughs> Splice that in. <laughs> no, so you scream out for
1: Narnia. Uh-huh. For those of you who are not book nerds, for Narnia is a refer- reference to the book series Narnia. And the uh, main protagonists always shout for Narnia. Before they go into battle. Because every battle is always about the salvation of the world. Anyways. So you motherfuckers being toxic as shit. You just type that shit in all caps. Ten times. (laughs) Cuts everything down. (laughs) They'd be arguing about politics, religion, hair. The way you're going to go about winning the game. It doesn't matter. You type that shit out and somebody's going to go.
0: That's toxic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> somebody will go, that's toxic. But somebody else will go, and for Aslan.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: It never fails. So for Aslan, for those of you who don't know, is the reciprocating call. When you shout out for Narnia, you go, and for Aslan, who's the uh, the paterfamilias in the series, basically. Who's the motif. He's a lion with sentience. Leads all the armies of good. He's the paterfamilias symbol in the story who teaches the protagonist how to do right from wrong and how to go about the world. So you always say for Narnia and for Aslan because Aslan is the paterfamilias. And when you shout that out... Okay, I should say that's the second best thing you should say. I have to edit myself here. That's the second best thing you say is for Narnia. And then somebody's going to go for Aslan. The first thing... The best thing you can say. Headphone warning. <laughs> Headphone warning here. <coughs> I'm to clean my throat.
0: Leroy
1: Jenkins! <laughs>
0: <laughs> what in the world is wrong? So, Leroy Jenkins... Oh, I've never J- heard of this. This is what oh separates my computer gamers from console gamers right here. This, yeah, this right here. so... As a PC gamer, you will absolutely
1: know that reference. If you don't, you're too young. Go educate yourself. Go pick up some WoW. Leroy Jenkins was a, a player in the midst of this huge clan world-scale world, world scale fight in World of Warcraft years ago. <clears throat> I think back during like the first or second expansion. And so the, the Alliance which are the quote-unquote good forces, versus the Horde, which are the quote-unquote bad forces in the World of Warcraft universe, had decided, had agreed, that they're going to go up against each other and see who's who's the best, who's the baddest of the baddest. Bring your Death Knights, bring your Lich soldiers, bring your mounts, bring your guards, bring the best of the best. We don't care. We're going to coordinate across multiple servers on the game. We're going to coordinate this assault, and we're going to fight it out honorably like we're not going to stage any ambushes and nothing we're just going to assemble at the borders and we're going to go so everybody's assembled and they're waiting they're like talking about plans of attack and this goes the stalemate lasts for like 30 minutes an hour or something and then finally somebody in the clan chat goes Leroy Jenkins bitch and he runs his character across no man's land by himself Single-handedly into the enemy. And he ignited the very first ever clan wars between the Alliance and the Horde. I mean, coordinated clan assault. This man, all chats, whatever. Leroy Jenkins. That's the guy's name. He just shouts that out and starts running. Right? I mean, granted, he's running in cyberspace, people. But he's like one dude against... Over a hundred thousand people. And he's like, I got this. He doesn't got this. Watch me do work, son. <laughs> he's like, time to go to work. Deadpool, maximum effort, whatever. Runs! And like, everybody just goes into chaos. And then they descend upon each other. And I'm probably exaggerating it a bit, but I'm pretty sure the raid, the the fight lasted for like 24, 48 hours. Because there were so many people by the time the first round of people respawned, like only two or three waves of people had died. And so okay, you just have yes. this cycle of debauchery and death and Pause. destruction across WoW.
0: Speaking of respawn, imagine if every single Apex player dropped into one lobby. Now, oh, Jesus Christ. And played all together. That there, aren't the <laughs> there aren't enough skins in the lobby.
1: There
0: aren't enough skins. <laughs> shut up <laughs> stop it yo shout out to Respawn Entertainment who like totally was supposed uh, to release something and then like you ruined the whole, messed up like, at the shit. last minute
1: <laughs> fuck you Nimbus you ruined the whole shtick and <laughs> the epic build up and Ooh. people are going to be like oh, what's Leroy let me go type that in and they're like wait a minute, wait a minute.
0: shout out to Andy Ward you're like what
1: about Apex I heard Apex stop. Shout out Follow to must listen in to Apex fuck
0: Leroy Jenkins Fuck you, Nimbus. Shout out to COD. Shout out to Cod. Cod's doing right. Yeah, they're doing right. How's this turn into a six hours from Sunday? I don't know
1: how <laughs> sorry.
0: We should get back We on gotta time. get back
1: on topic. We we're, we're gonna do the six from Sundays on Friday. This we, Friday. We this should. Friday, I'm off. Huh?
0: This Friday? This Friday. We'll we'll see.
1: We'll well, see. I'll bring Linny over We will see. We'll bring we'll we'll bring the wives out.
0: That okay. sounds so patriarchal. We will let
1: the wives off their chains We will bring the
0: wives out <laughs> So they can Commune together Oh my god we're going to hell <laughs> Look you started
1: She's going to fucking have my head on a stick If
0: I'm dead Look, by Friday You know what I thought you thought she was going to have your head on a stick When you said that hers, Her voice matters More one percent. <laughs> I was like, bro, I can't wait till she hears that point one percent. Oh no, when she hears that she's like, what? I'm like, babe, everybody else is like zero and you're point one.
1: It'll be fine. And she be like, oh. At least I matter. Man. Although now I'm gonna have to figure out a way to rephrase it because you I need put a, it out here. So. You gotta
0: have a solid like five percent, bro. It's point one percent. You know no solid that I got. Oh, come on. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, oh, so let's get back on task. Back on task. Let's so, let's talk about let's talk about some stuff that we got that people want us. To we talk gotta drop about. the Stitcher, right? Huh? Yeah, drop Stitcher too. Oh yeah, yeah well, so, okay, so, We can do that at the break. We can okay, we'll break. do that at the break. So we'll, we'll give
1: Stitcher the break. Yeah. Right, for right now, let's get into the nitty gritty of the request this week. Thank you guys for finally. Sending something into us, requesting, we're happy to cover it. Thank you guys so much for that activity. So we got a uh, request to respond um, to a specific topic. This is called the millennial question. The millennial question. You have a millennial question video. Which basically, <clears throat> it's a video, the video sent to us rather, addressing this topic. Was by Simon Sinek, yeah, and his uh, response to somebody asking him the millennial question, or rather asking him, "What's the number one thing you always have to talk about?" And Simon Sinek says, "Well, it's almost inevitable that no matter how many speeches I give, no matter how many talks I give, somebody always asks me about the millennial question, and that is addressing the the modern day era." the new generation issue of the workforce and the new generation or the primary generation in the workforce these days, which is considered the millennial generation. And for those of you who do not know, the millennial generation was basically starts in about 1984, a generation covers approximately 20 years, give or take certain social strata. Um, And so, so from like 1984 to about 2004, the millennial generation. That includes me. That includes Nimbus, That includes my most of my siblings, most of my most of our friend group.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And so that's a that's a really broad range. And so for context, before we get into this, let me just say that generations, as a concept and construct, in terms of measuring years or time or people in generation and social context and importance were created by a scientist inadvertently. It was not intentional. It was not the scientist's intent to use the term generation as an accurate measurement of group thought or as a measurement of any kind. The scientist who's inadvertently accredited with creating the term generations was presenting in his uh, explanation for his thesis at a time and he was the the scientist was struggling to find a way to communicate uh, the dif- the time differential between certain social uh, certain impacts and the mi- the mental and psychological social cultural impacts of certain historical events right so for us as millennials one of the most impactful things ever to occur is 911
0: mhm
1: versus people who were born in 1960s or 1950s, one of the most important things ever to happen is the moon landing in 1969 and Nixon's impeachment. Mm-hmm. Right? Which establishes an entire precedent of how we vote, how we think about politics. Those That generation gave birth to us as millennials and that affects how we see politics and how we interpret the government and how we interact with the government along with things like the Vietnam War Um, the huge plethora of uh, soul music and its culmination and rock and roll in that era as well Um, these things are what these are the cultural impact centers that inform a generation's quote unquote mental characteristics as the scientist would say who presented this and when he was trying to uh, uh, explicate the differences between generations he was struggling to come up with a term that would clearly define uh, areas of impact right because everything has a bell curve to it where it starts where it peaks where it ends where is the impact most impactful and so the the scientist's explanation is that if you measure a bell curve of people and population You can define the hot spot in the bell curve or the hot or the most impactful time of this social cultural event, whether it's Nixon's impeachment or 9-11 or the Vietnam War or uh, the death of Sam Cooke or MLK or Malcolm X or uh, the publication of Aretha Franklin's Respect, right? You can measure these massively impactful events and go, this is the hot spot. This is where these events occurred. And based on X number of events across X number of years, that's how you draw the line of a generation. This was not... Genera- the establishment of generations was not the intended goal of the scientist. The scientist's intended goal was to explain why certain age groups within some years, give or take, the year you were born lean one way politically or socially versus others right why are some people for the vietnam war versus other people who are not why are some people pro-war versus not pro-war why are some people republican versus democrat conservative versus liberal what is it that causes these fluctuations in the generations that's what the the evidence was supposed to to show the research was supposed to show the evidence for this. And the term generations came about as a necessity for measuring timeline on a graph in the research. So the concept that we measure our society by generations and you go, well in the nineteen twenties was the era of prohibition and people didn't like alcohol. That's not true. That's incorrect, infallible on every level. And the concept that you can measure from 1984 to 2004 and measure an entire population's net worth or generalize their mental acuity or ob- obtusiveness is also flawed and in- infallible and inherently just arrogant and, with all due respect, stupid. Mm-hmm. To say that 20 years' worth of children born are going to measure the same way, that's just dumb. Yes, you can you can take 30 years' worth of kids, give them a sociological, psychological test, crunch the numbers, and come up with a statistical average. Yes, but that doesn't mean that it holds true. Right. right? Just because you can make an average of something does not mean that that is the average that occurs. I can arbitrarily take a thousand years and say this is how hot the temperature of the earth is across these thousands of years. And that doesn't mean that that's the way it's going to be in the next thousand. And that's that's my only point. That's my only caveat is that when you hear the concept of generation, it's not intended to be what we think of it as today. Mm-hmm. It's not intended to be a Very clear, open, closed, 20-year border mark in the human population across multiple generations. It's not intended to be that. Generation X, the baby boomers, the millennials, all these labels for generations are arbitrary and specifically use to delineate certain timelines because it's easier to say this generation rather than to say from 1984 to 2004 these are the seven key events that shape the entire social cultural economic mindset of a population mm-hmm. that's a mouthfucking fucking fool or you could say the millennial generation three words versus like ten what are you going to type in a paper Three words. It's that simple. So when you hear this concept when we go over these things, and we're talking about millennials, when we talk about the millennial question, understand people who are listening. Generation is an arbitrary concept. The same way when you say shoes, you could be talking about boots, heels, tennis shoes, sneakers, running shoes, flip flops, sandals. It's an arbitrary notion. Bear that in mind. Mm -hmm. That being said, let's get into this. Simon Sinek's The Millennial Question, generally ranging from children born in 1984 to 2004. 20 years, roughly, which is about what the science says a generation is.
0: Lord. That's a lot to unpack. Um, So, basically, he starts off by saying that, uh, that we have, we have this, uh, we, he, he gets this question a lot, this millennial question of why are millennials so entitled, incompetent, lazy, unfocused, unfocused. Lazy.
1: confounding to authority. Right. And that's my, or leadership. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite
0: so like uh, and he places very importance on entitlement and he gives four major concepts which are parenting, technology impatience and environment Mm. so his first point which we're going to take a good amount of time on each point is parenting Um, he argues that a lot of us millennials and I say us because I'm like what nineties you're like what nineties I'm a, a ninety-three us, kid. A lot of us grew up My brother bless his soul is ninety two. It's
1: yeah. not a good kid. Sorry bro I mean ninety four a year
0: Pac died you don't you can't oh, so now, um, now we're getting into the nitty gritty um so he says that a lot of Millennials grew up in failed parenting strategies, and one of those, one of the major key concepts is teaching a child that you, they can be whatever they want to be, that they can achieve whatever they want to achieve. And you mean then, freedom? And that they can uh, get get a trophy for just applying themselves to the bare bare, bare minimum minimum. So this is this do. is the main and. What, what we learn or unlearn, what we learn is the inability to uh, reach a maximum or full potential, or what we unlearn is the ability to compete and to be able to realize that we're all on different levels, right? Right. So, like you said, on Thanksgiving, when you are around specific people, not everybody's on the same wavelength. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, not everybody's thinking the same way, not like yeah, talking the same with the way. Yeah, the same subjects. Exactly. <laughs> some yeah, sure. Okay. So, so that's what that's what we unlearn we that ability to recognize that, like, let's um, I mean, let's go with that. I'm good. not sure if
1: you're gonna like
0: it all. <laughs> So we we uh we don't recognize that like some people have to work harder than others. Like your metabolism, right? Is mm-hmm. like way faster than mine. But I grow muscle like crazy. You grow muscle faster than your regular person too. Yeah, but, but not my super muscle quick. growth in my upper body is like yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So, like, I have to work hard at working out because yeah, my like metabolism runs slow. But you're, you have to, like, you don't have to work that fast. because yeah, like, If I go hard
1: for a week, I make, like, three weeks worth of gains.
0: Right. Your metabolism runs fast. As long fast. as I'm not, like, not working out for a year. <laughs> so, this is what happens with millennials. We're all told, look, we you all can work out and you all can be skinny and you all can be fit. No. Some people need to be in the gym. Five days a week, where others can go once a week and be perfectly okay. fine.
1: Right. So, this in, is a life, great
0: example. in life, like people have to certain work. Certain people have certain, and certain idiosyncrasies secrecies that require
1: more accommodation. And
0: mm-hmm. we want to think that
1: everybody is on an even keel footing. We want to see, we want to think that everybody has equal opportunity. But if we just think about it for five minutes, we understand that's not true. Mm-hmm. Some people don't read as fast as others. And it's not because they're not intelligent. It's because some people have dyslexia. And dyslexia affects numbers, letters. Sometimes people with dyslexia are incredibly smart. And they make one clerical error and it holds them back for an hour on a single math equation. Because they don't realize they're swapping two numbers around in a mathematical equation and they're stuck on that problem for an hour. That happens. It happens on everything. It happens every day. Certain people have certain... Predispositions. I wouldn't call it a handicap or a disability like a lot of educational institutions.
0: Hold on, bro. Pause it. the podcast. I just sniffed this thing. It smells like dirty bathwater, bro. Motherfucker. <laughs> Hold up. Uh, wait, wait It a smells minute. bad, bro. Where's my goddamn Hold gun? On. We gonna get in? Smells some like shit bananas here tonight. It smells like bananas, though, for real. Yes, it does. Okay, I that's wonderful. That now, okay, so. Okay, I smell that
1: now. Sidebar. Approaching the bench. I'm so sorry I
0: interrupted this. you. No, 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 this, this is good. I got the I wrong wanted first I ask
1: you about if you wanted to do a, a beer shout out. <laughs> I mean, we have to do a beer shout out, but I didn't want to interrupt your stream of thought. I Anyways, got so,
0: the wrong first cent, dude.
1: So let's do this uh, from opening to now. Uh, we opened with a cider from Magner's, or it's called Magner's, from Magner's Brewing. It's a traditional Irish cider, very dry, subtly sweet nice rosé color, simple, they put a little yeast in it, make it kind of like foamy, and just the right amount of like mouthfeel on the cider. You want it to linger a little bit, but not so long that it's sickeningly sweet, like a stout, and it's a cider to begin with, so you don't want it so dry that it tastes like champagne. Magner's original Irish cider, hands down one of the top ciders in the world. That's what we were sipping on at the opening, Now, we have, if I may, elevated ourselves to a higher status. Oh, my God. This beer. I could go on for days about it. but Let let me say, this is a 2016 release, which means it's been aged three years now, which is about as long as you want to age beer like this. It's the Lolita from Goose Island Beer Company up in uh, Chicago, Illinois. Chicago? Chicago. This dude said Chicago. Chicago, I don't give a shit. If you're from Chicago, let me know. We can have an issue.
0: It's called Chicago. What accent is that? Chicago, Illinois. I'm from North Carolina. He elevated the whole conversation. (laughs) He don't even pronounce Chicago right anymore. Nope. It's Chicago. It's Chicago. Do you know what happened when I went to Chicago? (laughs) I told my driver, drop me off. Oh my god,
1: oh my god. what is this oh terrible Ivory Coast accent? Oh Stop that. Anyways, anyway, So, you, this is a totally. Belgian, this is called Lolita. It's a Belgian style wild ale, which is really just a fancy way It's a wild ale, which basically means it's an ale-based recipe. It uses top-fermenting yeast in the brewing process. The yeast, that grows and ferments in each sugar on the top of a mix rather than the bottom. It uses wild yeast, which is where you get the wild from in the wild ale, fermented in wine barrels with raspberries, quote unquote bright fruit aromas, and notes of oak with a dry tart finish similar to like a sour. Um, And saisons and farmhouse sales are essentially the same thing, depending on which part of the world you're in. This one has been aged three years, which is not always possible. Um, depending on the ABB of a beer and the quality of ingredients in a beer, you can age it for a certain amount of time on the shelf in the bottle. Um, similar to wine bottles, whereas with a wine bottle, you would store it on a slight slant so that you keep the cork slightly moist. So when you pop it in three or four years, you don't have the problem getting the cork out. The cork doesn't get in the wine. When you, uh, bottle cap a beer like this one is it's bottle capped and sealed with wax, just to make sure that the seal holds. And that rust doesn't get in and eat away between the glass and the metal. You don't have to store it on a slant. In fact, you probably don't want to. You want to store it standing straight up in a very cool environment. Similar to a wine cellar. <clears throat> Not super cold. Like you don't want it to sit at like 34 degrees for three years. Because then you're going to get ice crystals in it. Um, but... This beer is particularly good. Goose Island's a wonderful brewing company. They do really good stuff. And this particular beer itself is considered one of the best farmhouse ales in the States. Now, the bottle we're drinking has been aged for about three and a half, almost four years now, which is about as long as you want to let something with this alcohol by volume sit. Um, If it's something, it's around your typical average wine proof. If it's a little more alcoholic, like a low-grade whiskey, you could let it sit a little longer before you want to drink it. But for this one, we want to really drink it this year. This is amazing. You picked up on the hints of banana, which are very common to farming sales. It's a Belgian style, typically <coughs> considered a Belgian
0: style. <coughs> Pardon me. Yeah, the banana, the skin taste, the skin smells. The banana
1: is a common thing to Belgians, Mm -hmm.
0: along with cloves.
1: Um, Mm. This time of year, you probably see seasonal spices like coriander or nutmeg thrown into a Saison or any other seasonal beer. But again, this one brewed and bottled basically in the middle of uh, spring or summer. So it's going to be... In the traditional vein of brewing, brewed at similar temperatures like you would 200 years ago, when you didn't have climate control and A/C and beer coolers, you might have a cellar, like a standing cellar built into the side of a mountain, mm-hmm. if you lived in Greece or something, um, or in a mountainous region where you keep it relatively cool, mm-hmm. but it would still be brewed at like atmospheric temperatures. And so it's going to have a lot of wild, crazy fermented taste to it because you're using wild yeast brought in by pollinators like bees, insects of various kinds. And then basically all that yeast is going to be fermenting on top of all the natural crops that you grew. So for this beer, it's raspberries and other fruity notes. And then it's aged in an oak barrel, basically. They give it a nice, well-rounded body, from what I understand. And then this bottle, after it was bottled, after that process has been aged three years, so that gives it time, right? And this is a misconception about beer. Sorry, the sidebar so long, people. This is a misconception about beers that beer just doesn't age well, and that's not true. Beer actually ages fabulously because beer only goes through as much filtration as you want it to if you want it to be super clean crisp clear you can see your fingers on the other side of the glass you send it through a sterilization process or filtration process called sterilization where you get out every lick of filament uh extra pulp vine ester mill whatever is left husk in the in the fermentation process, you filter it through so many times, you get everything out, and you can literally see your fingers on the other side of your beer glass. Like when you pour Budweiser or Ice House into a 12 ounce or a 16 ounce pint glass, you hold it up to the light, you can see your fingers through it. You could take a picture on your phone, and it would, and you'd be able to see your fingers. Right? That's sterilized filtration. Farmhouse ales, Belgian ales, and many other kinds of beer styles can be unfiltered. You don't have to send them through such an extreme filtration process that you get rid of what's called esters, remnants from the maturation and brewing and infusion processes, right? You Mm -hmm. leave them in the bottle. You leave the the yeast, the little bits of yeast left over, the little bits of fruit, um, which are typically referred to as esters. And over time, these little bits of extra will slowly add and give and take away from the beer as it ages. Mm. Which is what makes an aged beer like this so valuable. Because you could have drank this in 2016 and it would taste entirely different than what it tastes like right now. It would be reminiscent of the same thing. You'd get a little raspberry, a little wild sour taste little bit of like uh weedy saison Mm -hmm. compared to this which is almost like a farmhouse sour ale it's like a belgian sour now and it is fucking phenomenal there are very few people i know that have a bottle of this anymore i mean because it was lolita is considered such a good beer you don't want to let it sit and wait you just want to drink it So, it's very rare to find a case or to find a bottle like this. And I was fortunate enough to get a case of it. Shout out to the unknown person because I can't bring it up yet. (laughs) Um, Shout out to my connect. If you listen to this, catch one of this, thank you so much because it has brought such happiness
0: just in like the last two months. It's actually, I I actually like it.
1: Yeah. And And you are not not a funky drinker. Like, you're not a funky beer person. So, this is what you would certainly call a funky beer.
0: Yeah, it's pretty funky. super funky. But it's pretty good.
1: But it's really good, and there are very few people I know that have tried <sighs> this and go. Meh. And just Same. out the few bottles I have sampled out in the last few months has been wonderful, and I've had a really good time bonding over it with other people. So shout out to my connect. You know who you are if you're listening. Next year, after I'm done drinking everything, I'll give you a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'll give you a name shout-out, I should say. Anyways, sidebars over. Shout-out to Goose Island Brewing Company for making the Lolita. Um, This is a 2016 release. I got a $160 case of this stuff for $40. Mm. You can't beat that. Not at all. With a mule, okay? I don't know where that term comes from. Don't ask me. Back into it. So, Simon Sinek has these four, what he I guess what you would consider key points about the millennial generation.
0: They're yeah, no means
1: they're lacking like, certain parents. Let me
0: let me say by no hold on, hold on. Okay. by no means do we fully support Simon Sinek. I don't know very much about. Oh
1: yeah, him. we gotta put this out.
0: But this 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 uh this um this video was recommended to us, and as we'll discuss today, there's some things in here that. We're pro we'll probably agree with. There's some things again that, that we probably don't agree with. Certainly not. So, um, But either way, you can probably check your guy out at yeah. Simonson, And especially, com. a so, shout out to mm-hmm. Simon
1: Sinek and his mm-hmm. team because they are not like a bunch of people out here who are up in arms about IP. They are about getting their message out and they're happy to mm-hmm. let us openly quote and source their material as long as we make it explicitly
0: queer Queer. clear sorry explicitly (laughs) (laughs)
1: queer shut up Nimbus (laughs)
0: <laughs> I've
1: had a long
0: four days as long as we make it explicitly queer that's <laughs> no problem at all <laughs> sorry Cynic and Cynic's team anyways Look, if they listen to the first eight <laughs> episodes of this podcast and then listen to this one they, they listen, know what's that going shit. on they yeah. know
1: exactly what's going on so shout out to them for being open about their IP which for Definitely. those of you who don't know is short term for intellectual property nowadays not your IP address that's mm-hmm. why you called it IP address not IP shout out to them for being open about us quoting it using it provided we make it explicitly clear clear, fuck, clear that we and our beliefs our interpretations of it are not reflective of theirs and are not endorsed by them which it is not people <gasps> this is recommended to us we're giving them our open honest opinion about it definitely shout out
0: to uh you give the shout out yeah no, I mean if you want <laughs> you more information the on Simon Cynic you can uh you can visit the website at www.simoncynic.com and, and uh, listen you know and and just go there and check him out man um seems like a pretty good He's dude he got a
1: decent message to give yeah. and to listen to there's yeah. definitely some gold nuggets in there um but I was specifically saying to the to the listener who suggested this because I'm tongue twisting shit left and right right now so
0: oh, the listeners, shout out listen- to the listener shout out to the listener Tracy you know who you are
1: <laughs>
0: shout out for for uh, recommending this video to us and um, shouts to Mac Daddy Tracy <laughs> there you go <laughs> alright so um,
1: to get back to the four main points there's uh, his main four issues with or reasons for the the gap, if you will, the negative interpretation of the millennial generation. That's a lot of alliteration, but above. Anyways, no, no. no. A going. lot of his yeah. negative interpretation, uh, he feels the negative interpretation for our generation comes from uh, parenting, technology, impatience, and environmental factors. Mm-hmm. So let's start at the top. What he first mentions is parenting, specifically the millennial generation has been subject to bad parenting or failed parenting skills or, uh, tactics. And some of the examples he gives are getting like children being put into honors classes or getting in the honors classes when they should not be, when they haven't tested into them because parents have complained that their kid isn't in an honors course. Um, Children getting A's or elevated grades, as I would say, elevated grades, because teachers don't want to have to deal with parents who are just going to bitch and moan and not own up to the fact that their kids need to put in more work. Um, and I must say, before we get into the third part of parenting, I must say those first two things are something I grew up experiencing firsthand in mm-hmm. the public, particularly in the public school system. As I went to public school. My entire life, um, I went to a magnet school, which is technically considered a public school because it's a raffle to get in. You don't pay private tuition to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, I was consistently put in honors courses. I consistently tested in the upper percentiles on benchmarks and in the course testing and in the grade testing. And um, I would say about 70% of the people in my honors courses, especially when I got to high school, High school in particular, when I got into high school, had no business being in those courses. None. And for the classes that I was in standard for, which is very few and far between in my high school education, but for the classes I did end up in standard for, because of time slots and things like that, for the... Most people who are in standard courses could have been in honors courses if mm-hmm. the slots were available. They had the the mental set. They had the capability. When I was registered into a time slot for a standard course for, there was in which I was supposed to be enrolled in honors, I would just have to do the honors coursework or the extra work an honors student would be expected to do versus everybody else in the class who was there for the t- standard slot time. I got to say these two points from uh, Simon Sinek are, are really spot on, both in my personal lived experience and anecdotal evidence in my life. I can, I can attest to that. And particularly in uh, post-education communication with other teachers, teachers who are in uh, middle and high school level now. And, and the research I've read in undergrad, in terms of the education, how education is formed and what it's used for. Um, a lot of teachers feel that it's a, there's a good amount of students that are in the wrong slot. Whether you're an honor student or a standard student or a remedial student, you're in the wrong slot for where you should be. Um, and, I, you know, I, ha- I have to say I've seen parents literally just wither down principals and teachers until they just concede to put that kid in the honors course. Mm. I've seen it firsthand. Like, I've witnessed it. It's not pretty, and it's not fun, and unfortunately, these points stand true, because it. and it's unfortunate because, not because we're airing it out, but it's unfortunate that it's true because that means a lot of our generation has accolades that they're not supposed to have, which weakens the accolades of the people who are supposed to have them. Mm -hmm. And that makes it harder on them to say, I'm justified. And it makes it harder on them to say, look at my evidence, look at my, my iteration, my anecdotal evidence, and look at my resume and go and have faith. Because there are so many people out there who have a quote unquote, similar resume who are lacking in the execution of those skills that they say that they have. Um, And I would say that he's, He is certainly right, based on all evidence that I've been privy to, that there are just kids out there, adults now, who just don't have the skill set that they say that they have on paper. And the kids don't know not to say that, right? The kids don't know any better